Hello friends, welcome to From the Heart on Magic 107.7 FM. We are so glad to be back with you telling the stories of our arts leaders and our arts organizations of what's happening right now as we all start to re-enter uh, after the pandemic. We all know that uh, we turn to the arts uh, in our time of being in our homes, whether it be song or dance or poetry or visual arts, movies, uh, it was definitely part of helping us get through this and we'll continue to do that. So we want to make sure we're sharing the stories of what our arts organizations are doing right now in our community. Usually this is one organization that we get to speak to for an hour, but we've decided to break this up just a little bit more to give more voices uh, an opportunity to share the work that's happening in our community. So I'll, I want to just dive right in with our guests and our friends from the Orlando Museum of Art. We have Molly Driscoll, who's the Associate uh, Curator of Community Engagement, and David Madison, who is the uh, Associate Curator of Education and Outreach. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hello. Happy to be here. <laughs> Yay. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it so much. So, Molly, you've been on the show before, and yeah. David, I don't think I've had the pleasure of meeting you, so nice no. to meet you virtually. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, guys, tell us what is happening. Maybe, Molly, let's start with you and the idea of community engagement. You know, the museum has just opened back up, so tell us a little bit about when did it open and how can people, what are the hours and how can people engage right now by coming to the physical space? Sure, sure. So we actually did a soft opening starting on uh, Monday or Tuesday, June 2nd for our members only. And this is the first week that we have been fully open uh, to the public. And so how we are operating is when people come in, we uh, are expecting them to wear a mask. They have to sanitize their hands. Um, we're even setting up appointments so that if people want to purchase their ticket online before coming here, they can do so. And it's a better way for us to monitor how many people at a time are in the museum and are in our galleries. Um, and then further to that, in our galleries, we have arrows pointing uh, specific directions so that people aren't clustering in certain areas at one time. And so that it provides kind of a continuous movement throughout our galleries, an easy entry point and an easy exit point. And then aside so, from that, we've been sanitizing like crazy everywhere here. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, clean services. That's the way to go for sure. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm so glad you guys are open. And definitely in the in the world of arts right now, our visual arts and museums, mm -hmm. galleries, they're able to come back in a different way than, say, performing arts, which is the world that I'm in. And I'm so glad we're able to do that. As you, you know, part, depending on the, the time of day, how many people are in the museum, Either you can sit kind of in solitude and take in a piece of work on your own, or sometimes mm -hmm. there's a gathering of people around a piece of work um, all kind of taken at the same time. Have you guys minimized that as well? You said arrows, but is it like an X that only one person can stand on and take in a piece of art right now? Mm -hmm. So we do have um, certain spots to, to uh, enforce a little bit uh, feasible social distancing, um, but it's, it's not fully strict about it uh, if people do seem to, you know, pile on, but it, it, I haven't seen it happen just yet. David, have you seen anything like that? No, I haven't. And I would say that museums are traditionally places where you kind of physically distance and it is more of a one-to-one -one yeah. relationship between the visitor and the work of art. Um, very yeah, different, we don't, we don't... said, Josh, uh, with the mm -hmm. works of art or with the performing arts where you're in a crowded theater. We definitely have mm -hmm. 
more room to spread out here and kind of have that experience still um, work with the, with the artwork. Right. And we have such a, a diverse collection and exhibitions going on right now uh, that there's not one piece, like, for example, the Mona Lisa that everybody wants to crowd around, which is beneficial to us right now. <laughs> sure, right. So what are, what are some of the exhibitions and what's happening in the museum? Well, right now we've actually extended the exhibition length for the Highwaymen. Normally, uh, during this time of year, we have our Florida Prize in Contemporary Art Exhibition, but they've decided to delay that and have that um, the artists that were supposed to be for this summer come next summer. Um, And so, but that's okay because we get to extend the work of the Highwaymen. Uh, The exhibition is titled Living Color, the Art of the Florida Highwaymen. And so that has been extended, I believe, till mid-August. August. Oh, awesome. Yep. Very cool. And then there's always a, I'm regular collection is not the right words, forgive me. But beyond the the exhibition that's happening, there is a consistent group of of art collection, correct? Yes. So we have uh, a permanent collection of American art that starts with the colonial period and spans all the way to contemporary works of art. And that is currently on view. Okay, great. And so are you having any gatherings of any kind? Because, you know, you have these great, I think it's on Thursday nights, right? You have these big events where people come. Yeah, first Thursdays and education programs, summer camps or any of those kind of things. We are, we started summer camps this week and it's been going great. I, it just so much joy watching these kids come into the museum. And it's like the first time that they've been able to um, see their friends or see people their age really. And so it's, it's been really wonderful. We of course have uh, new regulations for camps. We're limiting the classes to 10 students per class and we are increasing sanitation, um, increasing just being really vigilant about those safety procedures. Even temperature checking uh, the students before they exit their vehicle, too. Okay, so small groups, temperature checking, all that stuff. Can people still get information and and get registered for summer camps if families are interested? Absolutely. Absolutely. On our website, um, oma.org. Uh, there is information about summer art camp. I will say that our our classes, because they're only limited to 10 students now, they are starting to fill up. So if anybody is interested, I would say jump on that now. That's a really great problem to have, though. You know, we thought yes. maybe just maybe a month ago, we we're wondering if we could even do camp. So to have a conversation yes. about they're filling up is pretty <laughs> is pretty exciting <laughs> for sure. So what are the types of camps that kids can give us an example of of what you're offering? Sure. Um, So this week right now we have um, for sixth through eighth graders, it's called the Art of Steampunk. Uh, So that's been a fun one. But we have camps, gosh, that vary from uh, the focus being painting or drawing or collage or learning about a variety of different mini masters is what we call them, different types of artists. Um, the art of nature is another type of camp. Our, our camps are very diverse in, in each theme, and they are provided anywhere from children entering uh, grade one all the way to grade eight. And then this year, we do have a special week for high school students, too. Uh, this is the first summer that we are offering a week for high school students. Oh, great. 
And so if people are like, oh, I'm, I'm almost ready to come back to the museum, but just not yet, what are some ways that people can connect with you still virtually or online? So we have uh, created quite a bit of virtual content in the past few months since um, we closed the museum and have, have since reopened. But um, on our website, omart.me slash museum from home, um, we have a great deal of resources, including videos where we discuss works in the collection, um, information about uh, scheduling a virtual tour of our current exhibition, Living Color. So lots of different ways. Uh, we did a video series called Paintings and Pandemics, where uh, Molly oh, and I discussed a work in the collection. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, we discussed a work so in a, the collection in correlation with a past pandemic. So really thinking about oh. context in which some of these works might have been created. Um, and seeing how we've responded, of course, to these past pandemics as well as a culture. And as a so how have people, how has engagement been during this time of quarantine? Have you seen people uh, really connecting to those videos or online content? Did you see people still say, stay engaged with the museum? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I think I'd say we've our, actually reached more, right, Molly? Yes. Uh -huh. Yes. I was about to say that. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, I, we think our reach has definitely extended beyond uh, just our local community here, thanks to the virtual programming that we've had to come up with. So it's been a small blessing in disguise in that aspect. Yeah. It kind of breaks down a lot of those barriers when it comes to accessibility, especially around geographic location or transportation. Mm -hmm you can really reach people in their homes. You know, so David and Molly, I think we're all having these conversations internally among our organizations, and I know the museum is, but how do you think the pandemic will change the way um, that you will reach people moving forward? I think a lot of us are saying, yes, we'll come back and we'll continue to lean on the technology platform. So what are maybe some things you guys are thinking about doing um, even now that you're coming back to the physical space to still reach people beyond Central Florida? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. So we're definitely uh, considering things like virtual tours, Zoom discussions, um, classes that we can offer within a virtual space that maybe those barriers of accessibility that you mentioned um, have prevented people from kind of attending in the past. And so um, I think you're right. We are kind of going to lean a little heavier on digital strategy. I, I mean, really, we're a museum that did not have a digital strategy going right, into this. Right. We did yeah. not have uh, resources like some of these larger museums like the Met or the Smithsonian institutions have available mm -hmm. to them. And so we kind of got caught in a situation where <laughs> we needed to kind of rapidly um, iterate and try new things. Mm -hmm. And some things have worked, I think. Like our video series seem to be pretty popular. I think we've gotten those down to a formula. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. continuing things like that, developing new ideas, I think it's a really exciting time to be mm -hmm. in a museum. Yes. Exactly. And we are all learning new ways of reaching people. If there's any silver lining at all in this, I do think that is one of them. So friends, you can go and check out the museum. It is open. Remind us of those times again, Molly. Every 10 a.m. Um, until 4 p.m. Tuesday through Friday, and then noon to 4 on Saturday and Sunday. 
Awesome. So you can go there or you can also go to the website, check out about summer camps. You can check out all of the ways you can connect virtually at OMA.org. So go and support the Orlando Museum of Art. And David and Molly, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank it's been you. wonderful. Thanks for having us, Josh. You're welcome. Take care and be safe. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Listeners, come back and join us because we're going to have another guest on talking about how we're reaching the Puerto Rican community through art. Join us back here on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back to From the Heart on Magic 107.7 FM. We are so glad to be able to come back and do the show and to be able to talk to artists and art leaders and organizations about all that is happening right now, uh, specifically uh, around the area of, of coming back out of the pandemic and kind of re-entry to community. Not only was the art so important to all of us while we were in this quarantine moment, but also now coming back into community, how much art is important to that conversation. And so we are uh, excited today to talk to Omar Ramo. And Omar is a local artist, and he does all sorts of things, all sorts of cool things, really around uh, using art to be able to educate, specifically around mental health awareness. And so, Omar, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it is absolutely wonderful to have you. So, Omar, tell us a little bit about how you got started in the art journey, and then how you uh, came to really wanting to be able to help educate people around mental health and specifically even suicide um, through art. So I started doing art um, when I was six years old. I grew up uh, with a family that has done like um, hair cosmetology, modeling, photography, acting, uh, dancing, fashion. <laughs> You name it. It was it was it, it was surrounded in my family. Um, so I picked drawing because I saw my uncle doing portraits and I was like, you know what, let me give it a shot. So from there on, I practiced my skills in sketching and drawing and painting and um, you name it. And then um, took a serious, um, I'll say about a few years ago. Um, after I witnessed an incident where a stranger um, chose to take his own life and I was the only person there to witness it. So from there, I asked the cops around and seeing like, was this, does this happen often? And they told me yes. So I, from there on, I was like, no, this can't be, <laughs> I need to, I need to do something. And I feel, cause I suffer from mental problems as well. Um, like depression, anxiety, and, um, I use art to help heal, um, my own, um, mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to share my thoughts and my, um, my gift, I have to say, or talent to others and bring awareness so that's how I started, really. And how old were you when you witnessed this tragic event? Uh, three years ago, so roughly oh. 27 years old. <laughs> so this was pretty recent. And Yeah, pretty recent. Some, when you asked um, the cops, you said, is this something that happens? They said yes. And then 
how quickly did it take you to mobilize to actually do something? Was it pretty quick or did you think on it? It happened, it happened um, quickly. So right after I witnessed it, um, I, I, you know, bought some flowers and stuff like that. And then said some prayers and all that um, where the person committed suicide and he was young. I mean, he was in his twenties. Um, so I was like, man, this is, this could have been me because I've have had thoughts like these. Um, I did some research before I found out that one in four people between the age of 16 and 25 has had these thoughts. So I was like, can I do something about this? So I was like, you know what? I have a talent. Let me paint, you know, let me start something with the, in the art industry community here in Orlando. So I just decided to just um, volunteer, um, be part of some like art exhibits and shows. And every time when I show myself and people ask about my artwork, that's where I take the opportunity to express about mental health awareness. Mm-hmm. And how do you think the pieces of work or the art that you're creating, you know, they open doors for conversation, but what about arts, but you know, helps people deal with anxiety or stress or depression? So, there's there's been histories if if you search a lot there's many famous artists who has had mental problems um i'll say you know vincent van gogh almost everybody know this about the starry night um which was a view from his asylum um room where he had depression anxiety and he spent some time you know in the psychiatric clinic um and he 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 just expressed and the views and the colors expression you know that's that's the way he he used um his talent to to i guess as a different language just to to communicate with other people other viewers what he was going through um edward munk or i can't pronounce his name very well but he's the one who did the scream um, which yeah. in his own was his own state of mind he also had depression but he also has schizophrenia so it's a mental, you know, he had a mental breakdown um, and became an alcoholic. And then, you know, from there on, he just plummeted, you know, with his mental health. Um, I use those artists also like Picasso and I've used artists like Bacon, who has add darker colors into their artwork to show their inner emotions and and showed people that you know this is this is real this is happening the mental health is 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 a sickness and um but they use art to express themselves and i guess it's an it's just it's just like when you're asking for help and want to talk to somebody you use your vocals you use your mm. your communication skills in that way and or as a writer you write things down write a book or it's other ways of expression and i use art as that so, you know, we, you hear a lot of people talking about because of people getting furloughed from their jobs or maybe people that they know have gotten sick from the virus or just the idea of having to be inside in homes or wearing masks, that's really messing with people's mental, mental health. You know, everybody, I think it's, um, I've heard so many people say it's okay to not be okay right now. Uh, we're all <laughs> figuring out what's going on. So how, do, you, do you sense that the work that you do is needed now more than ever? Oh, I mean, do you think that you something from my experience. I've heard that before, by the way, and it's understandable. And I'm, I do my very best to be okay. This is, this is the norm. This is happening now. So 
what can I do? The first week when I was um, temporarily uh, unemployed, I you can ask like some of my friends, they know this. I was I was going crazy a little bit, but because of my anxiety, I cannot stay indoors for so long. So um, I decided to what can I do to be more proactive? So I took my sketchbook. I, I have taken my canvas, my pa- my my paint. Uh, and brushes, and I've actually just went to a nearby park where there was nobody around, um, you know, because six uh, feet distance, is, you know, it should be practiced no matter what still currently. Um, so I just stayed by the park where there's water, where I can hear the birds and where I can feel the wind and see the tree and all that. And for me, that was very healing. And I was still producing, I was still doing art, and I was still doing, you know, uh, business in the outdoor not in so how if people say omar great you have this amazing talent you're able to use those gifts to help open doors of conversation but what about me i'm not really an artist but i do love art how Mm -hmm. would you tell people who are listening how could they use art to help them with their mental health right now so I encourage people, no matter what, even those are the one who says, I can only draw stick figures. Um, <laughs> That's me, by the way. Though, it's more, it's, it's, more it's, it's, a, it's a stimulation, though. You know, you it, it is a challenge. But that's what this life, I mean, my opinion is about. It's about learning. It's about educating yourself. And it's about trying something that you're not used to, you know. Mm-hmm. So I always encourage people to... I mean, I listen to music. I love music. So I listen to funk. I mean, you know, classic, um, disco, um, you name it, um, orchestra. I mean, I love stuff like that. And those motivates me. Those, it takes some type of emotions out of me to, 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 to keep creating. Um, you can use YouTube to get tutorial, or you can even like ask any um, local artists that you know or, 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 or have heard of. Try reaching out to people and see if you're interested in trying to learn something. Grab a clay, um, do some molding, you know, having something with, if you're kinesthetic, touch something, create something out of your hand. And you know what? Art is anything, you know? Even if you don't do fine art, try to dance. That's what I was doing during the quarantine time. I found some free videos of dancing. So I was dancing around and it just stimulating yourself, keep moving around. That's very helpful. Yeah, that's great advice. That's awesome. And I love that you thought outside of just the visual arts and bringing in all the different mediums of art and how that helps just uh, keep us, keep our mental health in, in really good shape. So I wish I had more time to talk to you and we're quickly running out of time. But before we go, I do want to also mention that you're really passionate about making sure that the Puerto Rican culture uh, is also elevated by art. Can you tell us quickly how you're doing that? Yes, so I'm part of the Fusion Festival. I help direct um, uh, um, to expose um, the Puerto Rican culture. Um, so what I do is educate about the Vejigantes, uh, which is a mask uh, made of paper mache and glue. Um, and it's it's more of understanding the history. It's, it kind of looks scary because, you know, it's spiritual. Um, but the meaning of it is actually to push the people to look into the light side, um, um, the good side. Um, but it's very creative, it's vibrant colors. Kids love it, apparently. So I'm very happy about that. 
So that's what I'm doing for to represent that culture from the Puerto Rican. Beautiful. So Omar, how can our listeners follow you and stay in touch with your art? So you can follow me on my social media account currently at um, Omar Ramo. Uh, that's on Facebook or Instagram at the underscore Omar Ramo or Omar Ramo Arts. Awesome. Well, Omar, thank you for using the arts to do such good in our community. Thank you. And please be well and take care of yourself. You too. Take care. Thanks, listeners. You come right back and join us. We're going to be talking to the Orlando Shakespeare Theater and all the things that they're doing to bring theater to our community during this pandemic. Bring us, join us back here on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back, listeners, to Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Hope you're having a wonderful Sunday evening. And it's so good to be talking to our art leaders and to our organizations about not only how they've navigated uh, this pandemic and the things that they are bringing to us virtually, but also as we start to think about re-entry, how we're connecting with both our performing arts organizations and our visual arts organizations, as well as our museums. So today we have a very special guest, uh, the artistic director of the Orlando Shakespeare Theater, Jim Helsinger. Jim, welcome to the show. Oh, nice to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. So Jim, we were just chatting before. You've been at the Shakes for 25 years. Uh, that is the truth and enjoyed almost every moment of it. <laughs> you started when you were five, right? I mean, come on. that's <laughs> So in 25 years, goodness, you've seen theater talk about a lot of conversations that were happening either in the community or in the society. And now we've been living through a global pandemic and a historic revolution that's happening right now. So how, how are you seeing the shakes be a part of that conversation? Well, I think that as far as COVID is concerned, that's something that uh, no one had any idea would ever happen. Um, and, you know, our preparations there, like uh, many groups, are uh, multifold. Um, we are partnering, I'm very happy to say, with Advent Health as our health advisor. They're, you know, right next to us, practically mm -hmm. in Lock Haven Park. Um, and that feels really good moving forward with having them review our opening plans. We just hired a new operations and safety manager. We have ordered face shields and face masks. And um, we have... Uh, a ridiculous amount of hand sanitizer right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we've created social distancing maps for uh, uh, the fall at its uh, at 50%, then at 75, and then at, at 100. We've upgraded our cleaning and disinfecting schedules. We've ordered two electrostatic foggers so that we can fog down the seats in between. Wow. So, you know, we're really working on each yeah. uh, of these things as we, as we open. Um, and then as far as uh, the uh, historic revolution that you're referring to, um, uh, that, uh, you know, the whole world is paying attention right now to mm -hmm. how America is going to respond to this. Um, we uh, put out a statement last uh, Monday in support of our, uh, the black community and of Black Lives Matter, uh, but that needs to be followed up with action. I'm meeting with all of the African-American uh 
representatives from our interns, our actors, our uh, staff and, and board are representatives of each of those. Um, in the next couple of days, we're working on a time right now to go through what we have as some plans. Um, uh, Douglas uh, and I are the two white leaders of our organization, mm -hmm. and it feels very inappropriate mm -hmm. to be making plans to move forward without valuable input. Uh, from uh, uh, our black family uh, in moving forward. So we should be coming forward with our action plans and responses. We already had um, diversity is uh, very important to us, is already written into our value statement, and we already had goals for our next five-year plan, but they need to be, a, they need to be uh, increased. They need to be responding uh, to the situation that we that we clearly see ourselves in uh, as a society so clearly right now. Mm. You know, and there are so many, all of our emotions as a community are heightened around fear or anger or loss, um, you know, whether it's through the pandemic or what we were just discussing. Uh, how do you think theater helps with all of those with all of those emotions? You know, it does open doors of conversation for sure, but specifically, how does theater become kind of a prescription for the things that we're feeling? Well, I think theater naturally breaks down barriers. It's that's just one of the things it does. We sit next to people that we don't know. Hmm. We uh, watch uh, a story that hopefully reflects our lives in some way. And then we discuss it. We discuss it at intermission. We discuss it with our friends. Uh, we discuss it when we get home and it's in the brain. We're thinking about it. So um, scheduled in the 1920 season, but unfortunately uh, uh, canceled due to the uh, COVID crisis was My Lord, What a Night, uh, which is about uh, the racism that Marian Anderson, a famous opera singer, uh, African-American opera singer in the 30s and 40s, experienced um, when she sang in Princeton, New Jersey at the Opera House. And then that night, the hotel manager wouldn't allow her to stay there because mm. she was black. And uh, uh, very fortunately, and this is all based on, on, on true stories, um, Albert Einstein was there and said, uh, uh, you can stay with me at my house. And they became very good friends. And then uh, it happens again a couple of years later mm. in Washington, D.C. She's not allowed to sing for the Daughters of the American Revolution. That creates quite an uproar. Uh, uh, um, Eleanor Roosevelt quits as the first lady, quits the DAR in protest. Wow. Uh, and then they come back to Marian Anderson and say, well, we, we've changed our minds. You know, you can you can hold it uh, here in D.C. And, and she said, I, I think it's tainted now. I want to do something else i want to sing uh, outside somewhere how about the the lincoln memorial and so uh she does and 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 we see that i i think the first use of the of the lincoln memorial being a platform for civil rights um and then fast forward to uh, uh martin luther king standing on those steps and Marian Anderson is standing directly to his right you can mm -hmm. you can watch it on youtube um so i think coming to the theater, seeing that we're going to learn things that we don't know. We're going to discuss things about what we feel. And that theater serves that purpose of uh, uh, bringing forth discussion, uh, no matter the subject. And uh, race is one of the subjects we need to be discussing. And Jim, I know that you will continue to help drive that narrative to be able to open those doors of conversations, but also to take real change um, in our community so tell me, uh, you know, we're, I'm, I'm good friends with Douglas and I know uh -huh. all the hard things that you guys are doing right now to get ready. And we hope 
all of us hope that the comfortability level will continue to rise to go back into a theater space. But for those who may not feel ready yet or still thinking about it, how can people connect with you and your work and and that of the Shakes uh, virtually or online? Sure. Let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing right now and then what our plans are uh, when our full season starts in the fall. So right now we have summer classes uh, for students and adults online in June. If you are uh, an actor, I'm teaching a series on Shakespeare acting on Saturdays, and then we have classes, uh, virtual classes uh, for all of our summer camps going on right now. And then TYC, The Young Company, which is our high school performance troupe, typically does uh, performance uh, in the Margeson Theater, which is not open yet. So they will be performing, this will be coming up June 27th and 28th at the Mead Gardens uh, at The Grove. If people are familiar, there's a very nice uh, outdoor uh, amphitheater that's been built there and we'll be able to socially distance so the family members can come and see their children and they can perform outside. And so that's our first, you know, live performance beginning to come back. And as you know, the, the uh, risk factor of outside is much, much lower. So we'll mm-hmm. be both socially distant and being outside. Then we're planning on our summer classes. We'll return live beginning uh, in July, uh, June 29th. Uh, and that's when we'll be doing the temperature checks outside before you enter, everybody wearing masks, keeping socially distant, mm-hmm. small groups, um, and just beginning to do that, uh, as other theaters are also doing. The Garden has already started theirs. I think Dr. Phillips has already started theirs, and the mm-hmm. rep is, uh, I believe, also planning to start in July with us. Um two things that just finished uh, uh, were uh, our uh, archival videos of the Three Musketeers and uh, the world premiere of Gertrude and Claudius were both available for two weeks um, uh, live online that people could watch. And uh, it looks like it's becoming a bit of a tradition. Uh, last month we did Shakespeare, um, which was uh, a <laughs> wonderful uh, drinking game on Friday night at 6. <laughs> that one was Romeo and Juliet, which was taken from a group uh, of lovely artists that are part of the Shakespeare family, uh, but we're doing it as uh, for the fringe uh, four years ago. And I asked them if they'd come back and do it again uh, online. And it got such a great response. Now it, it was Shakespeare Hamlet. Um, and uh, when you take a drink, every time they say revenge father or somebody <laughs> dies in Hamlet, um, you, you got, we had to go pretty slow with the drink. You're, you're done uh, there. You're gone. Or yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, and we'll, I, I think that's probably now going to become a monthly thing until we open. So we're continuing to bring stuff online virtually as we're slowly starting to reopen. And then in the fall, we'll be uh, starting our signature series with Poe deep into that darkness peering, which we world premiered back in 98 um, and now we're bringing back to the stage. We changed that from our original show because a one-person show, we're really confident we can socially distance with, with mm-hmm. not only the audience, but the actor on the stage. Um, so that'll be our, our first show. And what we're doing is we're taking Poe, which was originally supposed to be in our small theater, the Goldman, where it, we see 118, our socially distant map in the Margeson, our larger theater, um, that's normally 325, that's down to 150. So we can move mm-hmm. Poe into the Margeson and mm-hmm. see actually more 
than we could in the Goldman. And our audience can be socially distant and our actor can be socially distant. So that's feeling like a really good first step in opening. And then that will run in repertory now uh, with Charlotte's Web, our children's show under the same socially distant map that we'll be playing on the weekends. And then during the week, we'll either be uh, performing live if students are able to come to us and we're not sure what that busing answer is, mm-hmm. or we also are prepping to be able to tour the show to the schools um, and potentially do two or three shows in a day so that they can socially distance, you know, in their auditorium uh, for that. So um, that's, uh, the beginning of the reopening in the fall. And then the rest of our season continues. I mentioned my Lord, what a night, which we had to cancel, um, uh, in the spring, but that will be back, um, and, uh, running in January. And they will also follow up with Henry four part two, which was the other canceled show. So both canceled mm-hmm. shows from this past season will be in the upcoming season. And then we have two musicals to close out the season, Little Shop of Horrors and Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. And of course, we're hoping by the time we get to March that we're, we're in a, a much better case as far as the COVID crisis is concerned. Yeah. And so when is that first fall show? What is that in August, September? Uh, we'll start the, uh, the very end of September going into October. So we're a little bit later than some other people. Um, uh, Charlotte starts, I think, last week of September and Poe first week of October. That's great. And Jim, it's so exciting to hear you be so confident about the plan to come back to the shakes. I know there's a lot of work going into making sure that people can still experience theater live. So one of the ways that people can help us, of course, to donate to the Shakespeare Theater, but also people can buy their season tickets right now, correct? Yes, they can. Season tickets are on sale. Our single tickets are not on sale yet. That that on sale date is July 7th. And we're in some debate right now as to, we would normally put single tickets for the entire season on, but since we don't know exactly what the socially distant requirements may be throughout the year, we may be announcing like the first two shows on single ticket sales, then more as we, as we know more, because I mean, as, as anybody who's listening knows this, our situation with the uh, uh, coronavirus has changed week by week, if not day Mm -hmm. by day. So we have to be adaptable and ready to make that change. So to find out information on the latest of when you're able to go back to the theater to donate, to purchase a season ticket, remind us of the website. Uh, you want to go to, very easy, we're Orlando Shakes. You go to orlandoshakes.org. Ah, uh, super easy. all you got to do. <laughs> um, a long time ago, we changed our website from uh, Shakespeare um, because we realized that a lot of people couldn't spell Shakespeare <laughs> to <Yeah>. Orlando shakes, <laughs> even though, you know, we say it all the time, but you actually get, is that EA or AE or how do you, you know, um, Orlando shakes, pretty darn easy, orlandoshakes.org and all information about our camps, uh, what we're doing virtually our throwback Thursdays. Uh, I hope people are enjoying that every Thursday. We try to showcase, uh, uh, a, a moment, a snippet um, of a previous show we've done before with the actor, you know, at home over Zoom, uh, talking about the moment that led up to it and what this moment was. And that that's received a lot of great feedback, too. Great. So, so many ways to still connect with the Orlando Shakespeare Theater, affectionately known as the Orlando Shakes. 
And you can go to orlandoshakes.org to make sure you can help them and support them and find out all the information. Jim, thank you so much for the uh, the conversation and thank you for all that you do to bring theater to Central Florida. Oh, you're so welcome. We're, We're thrilled to serve the Orlando community. Awesome. So listeners, thank you for joining us this week as we talk to great organizations and leaders about how we're starting to re-enter here in Central Florida, uh, bringing the arts to you. Come back and hear us next week on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Have a great week, everyone.